Welcome to the Second in Command podcast, produced by the COO Alliance and brought to you by its founder, Cameron Harold. In the Second in Command podcast, we talk to top COOs who share the insights, strategies, and tactics that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Today's Job City COO, Santiago Castro. With over 16 years of experience in the technology and software industry and 12 of those years at JobCity, Santiago has performed a variety of roles, including UX, UI, web designer, senior front-end developer, technical project manager, and account manager. Wearing all of these hats have provided him with a wide range of expertise and the ability to manage teams, create solutions, and understand industry needs. Santiago is also an Endeavor mentor to companies that are just starting and to others that are scaling rapidly. At present, Santiago runs the operations department at JobCity, creating a high-level strategy for the company's success and leading a team of more than 400 professionals in their work on major projects for current and past clients like Zebra Technologies, Intuit, USA Today, FreshBooks, and McGraw-Hill Education. And Santiago is calling in today from Ecuador. Santiago, welcome to the Second Command podcast. Hey, Cameron. Thanks for having me here. Of course. How did you guys connect with uh, FreshBooks? I mean, uh, so we have like different uh, channels of, you know, of uh, with our sales team. Um, so uh, with some of like our biggest clients, uh, we reach them uh, basically by referral. <laughs> you know, we we, um, we approach to tons of leads like uh, every week, but but most of the bigger clients uh, are referrals from other biggest clients. So that that's really interesting. Well, the, the reason that I even asked specifically about FreshBooks, I know that probably came right out of left field, was I, I met the founder of FreshBooks, who's Canadian as well, at a, an event uh, hosted by the Entrepreneurs Organization. I'm curious whether you and or your CEO are members of the Entrepreneurs Organization. Yeah, actually, um, well, my partner and CEO is, is part of the organization. Um, so, but 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 it, it, it's really interesting because, yeah, uh, like I think he haven't met uh like a Facebook CEO, so <laughs> um, maybe uh, they, they they will meet uh, someday soon. Maybe it was like one degree of separation or something connected. Exactly, to that's cool. Exactly. All right. So why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about what Job City is, just for in case any of the listeners aren't aren't clear on it, and then I want to go back into um, kind of what you got got you into the COO role because technology. There's not a lot of people that started really on the coding and IT side and kind of got into the COO role. It's a very different path. So tell us a little bit of Job City to start. Sure. So um, yeah, Job City is a nearshore IT staff augmentation firm. So basically, what we do is we provide um, with developers, uh, programmers, or any role are related to IT to companies in the U.S. in a staff augmentation uh, model. That means, uh, yeah, we place uh, these uh, developers or these engineers uh, to our clients in the States. Um, and they work directly uh, like on the day-to-day with, with, with the clients. Uh, and we take um, charge of everything else, you know, uh, payroll, trainings, equipment, uh, and then everything else. So it's basically documentation business. Okay. And then where are you staffing from? Are you staffing all out of Ecuador? Are you staffing from around the world? Where, where does your talent come from? 
Sure. So right now um, we have staff from uh, South America, Central America, uh, Mexico, and the Caribbean. So um, basically, we we are in all the Americas. For us, right now, it's really important to focus on the time zone. That's that's actually one of our strengths. So yeah, uh, and I mean uh, the talent pool in Latin America, it, it's, it's huge. So that that's one of the key of the business. The time zones make a lot of sense because I'm actually talking to you right now. I'm in Estonia and it's 5 p.m. in Estonia. So what time is it where you are? About nine o'clock oh, in the morning? Awesome. Didn't know you were in Estonia. Yeah. <laughs> That's what? nice. Right right now it's 9-11, actually. 9, yeah. 9/11. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So nine, so so really, you know, it's tough to do business from Europe to, to Latin America, but very easy for you to sell into the U.S. market. So that makes a lot of sense. And for the American companies, then it's also easier to have all these developers in their time zones for the meetings with their normal team versus dealing with technology groups that are in India or Philippines or somewhere else, right? Exactly. But you know what? Like, uh, like, um, like time zone is really important. Actually, that separates us from other um, talent pools or other markets like India, Eastern Europe. Um, but the other thing that is really important and it's key uh, to our business is, is like the culture. You know, countries and people from Latin America, like we are in the same uh, side, like the U.S. So like we like from uh, when we are really young, like we consume a lot of the 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 the, the American mm-hmm. culture. So we see American movies, we, we hear American music, like uh, the second language in, in all countries in South America is English. So we um, like all, all of our workers um like adapt easily to to the to the culture of the state, so that's also a plus. Uh, besides the time zone, interesting. Now you've been with the company for a long time. I, I guess prior to dealing with COVID, were you a location based business? Other than your coders, were were they remote or were they location based? Uh, actually, it was a mix. Uh, you know, we started. Um, so my 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 partner, my business partner, and CEO. Uh, like uh, started uh, working from New York City. Uh, like actually, the, the company was founded there, founded there, uh, and, and and I was working in Ecuador in Quito. So when and and, and so when we just started, like we started like with with people here in Ecuador. Uh, but then it like uh, I don't know. Let's say one year after that, we start hiring like in in other places. Um, like uh, Colombia, uh, Peru, uh, Argentina, and and at that time, we had like a hybrid uh, work environment where we have like offices, like in Ecuador, in Colombia, and then like you know just uh, people working from home in other countries. In in some cities, we had uh, uh, um, uh, co-working spaces. Uh, uh, even in the states, like in New York, in Houston, in Denver. Uh, we had a mix of of, of offices and, and, and home offices. So after COVID, what happened is like we get uh, we got rid of the offices, uh, you know, because of precaution and everything. Yeah. And 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 it turned like uh, it turned really well. I mean, um, it, it was a good solution, and, and we adapt really easily to work like a hundred percent distributed. Um, wow. Yep. Now, will you go back to having offices or are you going to stay as a distributed workforce now? Um, we are going to stay as a uh, distributed uh, workforce now. Uh, I mean, maybe we, 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 what we are thinking is to open maybe two or three little spaces uh, where uh, mostly like management can get together, you know, because for me, 
Um, you know, uh, 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 most of our talent are, they are engineers and, 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 and the profile of engineers, they, they really enjoy working like from their homes. And that, mm-hmm. that's like a, that not, right now that's a must. Okay. So, um, but with the management team is different. You know, uh, we also like to uh, work from home, but we need these spaces like to share, um, to, to discuss ideas. I mean, it, it, for me, it's different and it's needed. Uh, basically for tasks that relate uh, that uh, are involved with the strategy, you know, or creative thinking. Um, so so that, that's, that's the plan. But right now we are hundred percent distributed. <laughs> okay. So now go way back to the beginning. Then how did you get involved with a partner and CEO who's in New York and you're based in Ecuador? Were you going to school in New York? Were you working in New York? Or is he, how did you guys connect? Actually, the, the story is uh, really simple. Um, I, I, uh, and, and, and it's kind of funny because, you know, um, and you mentioned this thing about the COOs and, and the tech industry, and it's really kind of hard to like transition uh, to, to be a COO in, in a tech company. Um, like I have a degree in graphic design. <laughs> so I have not, I don't have any background with business or technology. I just learn everything by myself. Um, so when I was young, um, I, I think it was my second or third job. I, I applied uh, to a company, a, a super small startup here in Quito, and, and I just started working there. And one of the partners of that company was my CEO, uh, Andres. So we kind of started working together, like, like myself as a super young junior guy that wanted to learn everything. Um, and, and he has a partner. So we, we started working like that um, and we get to know each other. And, and then, uh, I mean, when, when the time was right, when, 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 when my CEO uh, decided to like uh, expand the company and scale the company. And, and, and I mean, we were really small at that time. Uh, like he, uh, he put all his trust on me and he invited me basically to, to join um, this amazing journey. So that that that's the story. It's kind of simple. We we met at, at work. <laughs> so so meeting up that way and starting off as a designer starts to make a little bit of sense because you tend to have a little bit more um I, I guess exposure to kind of the sales and marketing and some of the ops side of things. But how did you make the transition from the tech side into managing? Were you were you doing kind of coding yourself on the UX UI side, and then you started managing people? Walk us through some of that and how it how you grew it from there. Sure. So, um, so it 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 started kind of organically, you know, um, um, and, and 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 like by I call it like by request because when when I first started, um, yeah, I was I, actually I was hired to do like simple coding work, um, and I I remember at the at the university I had like one or two courses of like basic programming, so I just like uh, started uh, to code really like really basic stuff um, and you know keep keep learning keep learning and uh, and then uh, I remember then then we created a team like uh, like the, 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 the team that I was working with it started to grow so then like the company at that time needed like someone to manage the other people and it kind of came naturally uh, to me. Uh, and, and I just started managing the other people. At first, it was one person, then two uh, people, three people. 
uh, and so on. And and then I I remember that the the, the client that I was working with it it it, it grew so fast uh, that I, I I ended up uh, like handling the client. Um, and and I guess no, actually I am sure this happened because. Like, like I, I studied graphic design. I am a really people person. And most of engineers, you know, have this other profile that, are, that they are not that people oriented. They are like engineers, you know? Yeah. So I was the one that could take, you know, the, 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 the opportunity and handle the team. And, and, and that's how like I started to like managing clients. And, and from that point, um, I mean, it, it was kind of, natural how like when we uh at that time when we talked with, with my ceo um so he needed someone to help with other clients and, and, to, and to run the company so I, I just you know took the the step forward and and did it um i mean it, it wasn't easy at all <laughs> because I, I i i needed to learn so many things um but that that's part of the challenge you know and, and i i am really proud of it so uh summing up it was organically. I just learned, learned, and learned by the need. That's actually what I was going to ask you about was, you know, was it all easy? And I was sure that you were going to say, no, it wasn't. So what part of the, um, of the trajectory for you moving into the COO role was hard? What part did you really have to work at? Oof, a lot of parts. <laughs> um, well, I remember uh, one of the hardest parts is to like, for, for, yeah, I would say the money part, you know, um actually also i think i'm good with money uh but not in, but i wasn't good with money in a, in a professional sense like sure. in a professional way um so yeah i had to learn a lot of, of like the rules and the information and and the and the theory about you know finance accounting and blah 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 because at first like uh, you do everything you know um so like money handling and, and finance that would be one of the the challenges the the the, the challenges that i faced um then, um, well, this came after, like when we started scaling, um, like people management. Um, I mean, uh, again, I, I am a people-oriented person, but that's different from managing like uh, large groups, you know, uh, and also to manage managers. Uh, and that, that was a, a challenge as well, to manage managers. Um, yep, those two on the top of my mind. It's almost like you're reading my notes. Um, so <laughs> my my first question really related to that was, you know, you're at 400-ish employees now. When were you only around 20 employees? But how many how many years back would that have been that you were maybe only 20 or 30? 20 or 30 employees, yeah. I would say around, what, five, four okay. or five years? Okay. So four or five years ago, you're at 20, 30 employees, and then all of a sudden you hit this inflection point. What was it that allowed you to start to really scale from there? To be honest, like mentality, just mentality. Um, we got into this network that is called uh, Endeavor. I don't know if you have heard about Endeavor. No. Um, Endeavor is that this huge organization worldwide that uh, empowers and helps like uh, um, companies with um, with with their network, uh, with trainings, with uh, mentoring. And it pushes companies to scale exponentially. You know, there are huge companies that are part of the Endeavor network as uh, here in, in Latin America. Uh, for example, there is a Globant that is one of the tech giants in, in the region and in the world. Uh, a Rappi, 
Um, and and well, there are a few more. Uh, I just can't remember the names now. But Rappi's the delivery service, kind of like the Uber. Yeah, Eats. it's a DoorDash. It's like yeah. Uber Eats, DoorDash of, yeah. of South America, but it's huge. Um, so Massive. I think when when we get when we um, got accepted uh, into Endeavor, I think there our mentality our mentality changed definitely. So um, at that point, um, like like before that happened, we were thinking like, okay. We need to be the best in Ecuador, uh, the, 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 the largest tech company in Ecuador. And, and after that was like, boom, no, like we need to be the, 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 the best in the region, you know, in South America. And so basically mentality and, and, and obviously uh, a lot of mentorship, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, learning like how to scale in companies, uh, how to handle like all, all the growth. But I would, the, the mentality, I mean, that was the, just the trigger. Yeah, I'm super curious on the mentality side of things. Was was part of that mentality growth um, that you no longer felt like imposters? You know that you you realized that you were, you know, not as big or as good as the others, but you were like, shit, they're just they're figuring this out as they go too, right? They might be bigger, but there's they're just people like us still figuring it out every day. Was there a little bit of the imposter syndrome that broke away? Or was it that because you're surrounding yourself with these other people, you just started to raise your game and raise your thinking in every way? Or was it a, a bunch? Yeah, of I think it, it, yeah, I think the the uh, definitely it was like the, the the network, you know, and the people that we we were surrounded uh, at that time. Um, and it's a funny story because like here in Ecuador or, or in Colombia or in Peru, I remember that uh, when we have like business meetings or with with other like business people. They always told us like, oh my God, you are growing so fast. Your numbers are incredible. You are the best. And we were like, okay, cool. Thank you. But then when we did the same in the States, everyone was like, oh, that's cute. Like you have 500 employees and, and you are doing good. But, you know, we have like 10,000 employees and we are like, uh, we are like uh, our revenue is like that high. And so we felt like, okay. Like we are, in, we are, we are not comfortable like being like the best in in the in in Ecuador, like in in, in the small region. Like we 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 need to um, we need to think, and we we need to think like these other people, you know. So it's it's yeah, the the people that we were surrounded, like we we started to feel like oh my god, we can grow the, like way more. They already did. What. Well, it- it, they say that you know your your income is the average of the five people you spend the most time with, and your physical fitness is the average of the five people you spend the most time with, and your business <laughs> your business growth similarly, right? Your mindset changes. So, give me one specific thing then that changed on the mindset, or one specific thing that you did differently in the business um, because of that. Do you think? Well, definitely one strong point and this is not part of my area but but that it, it was really important for the company like the the like how sales the sales department w- like uh was managing things um mm. i think that there was a huge change there um in terms of like uh first of all like diversifying the channels of sales then uh, like uh sophisticating you know all the all the tools and processes that we handle on sales that was definitely a thing that changed like from one day to another after this you know this uh this experience and by get surrounded by these people interesting and 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 from the operations side 
Of course, I, I, I would say like the, I really changed my mind on like, I, I, before this, I was really focused on doing things great and, 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 and handling myself, all things and, and be aware of all the results and, 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 and meet the goals and everything by just by myself. After this, like I, I learned and I switched to a structure mode, to a scaling mode, you know? So then I started thinking more like, like more on how this will work in the future when we are, I don't know, 100 employees, 200 employees. So um, I started to think in terms of a structure on the scaling. What will happen? Like if, I don't know, if we have like uh, 200 leads per week or, or I don't know, or 200 employees uh, the next three months. So um, like, I think I will call it, I turn my mind into like a scaling mode. Yeah, that makes total sense, actually. Um, and when you do start thinking about that scaling mode, you start hiring bigger people, you start spending on structure, you start uh, coaching the team differently and setting bigger goals. Did you did you make any mistakes when you started to think bigger? Did you take any 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 that were too big? Not that big, but but of course, and and, and I mean that's part of, of the business, and that that's part of the scaling, right? So um, I remember that, like, uh, and I would say like maybe two years ago or so, um, we were at this point where like we uh, were hiring like a mix of junior people to mentor them and make them grow, mm. and like more senior people. Um, so I would say like wrong hirings, uh, just, uh, like using the old mentality on, okay, we need to like, we need to uh, save money. We need like junior people, we train them and then they will do the work wrong (laughs) because, um, like that work when we were on on another level, you know, when we, we weren't, uh, like so big. Um, so hiring the wrong people, but based on like when to hire senior people, um, that was uh, definitely a thing that I learned. Um, and, and it was really hard for me um, because uh, believe it or not, uh, as today, I always like, uh, it's super hard to me to let people go. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. I, I, I'm the same. I really like people, but but sometimes, yeah, the wrong people are costing you way more money than they're making you. Exactly. I was speaking with the uh, one of our COO Alliance members the other day, and, and he is the, the COO of a company that's about 30 million in revenue. And we were talking about his his team and he's talking about the that he had an entire he said, I think I think we're finally all 70 of our employees are truly A players. And I went, bullshit. Like there's no way that they're all A players. There's no way that it's God forbid they ever quit people. So let's let's just say they're solid B plus people. That I'll I'll agree to. And I said, what if you paid them all 20% more? If you could afford to go out and rehire for those roles and pay 20% more, would they be A's? And he's like, ah, you're blowing my mind. He goes, no, they'd probably all be C people. Right? Like you can always kind of raise that bar, right? So how do you yeah. decide? How do you decide when paying more for more talent is worthwhile, or whether it's the loyalty to the people you've got is is worthwhile? What's the what's the measure there, or what's the decision based on? Yeah, I mean, for for me, it's like the the mix is always needed. Like uh, like loyal people that started from scratch with, with the company, they, they 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 feel really engaged because they grew in the company, and and sometimes they. Um, get to a really interesting point and sometimes not. 
Um, but but it, it's really, for me, it's really needed this mix between these people and, and the, the more experienced people that come like from outside the company, like more uh, usually more senior people um, that comes with that come with, I don't know, uh, 15, 20 years of experience that uh, they are not that engaged. They don't understand like the initial dream, um, but they just are professional, do their work and maybe. Some years later, they, they they become like really engaged as the as the first group. Um, but so first for me, the mix is always needed, you know. Uh, and then, to be honest, I, I haven't figured out that I, like I don't, I don't have like the I don't have like the formula to know like when when to start hiring like senior more senior people. Yeah. Uh, but it I mean it it's like calls your door, you know. <laughs> Uh, and 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 that happens to us like one year and a half ago. Um, that when we did when we hired like the first super senior people outside the company, we realized that okay, now we are that at this point. Like we need people that can manage themselves, um, like without hand holding. Uh, that that uh, people that comes with with ideas with 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 a strategy um and and when you realize like like when you realize that i like you start thinking okay so where i need these people um and, and that's where the thing gets interesting yeah um, so yeah but 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 the mix it, it's really important for me well, you're right. It does come knocking on your door. All of a sudden you realize yep. oh, we need them. Like you kind of just know, right? And I agree on the mix. I've always said my A players are racehorses. My B players are the workhorses and the C players have to go to the glue factory. But yep. but you need a good solid <laughs> mix of A's. And- That's a good one. <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned that um, it's one thing to manage groups of people. And then it's another thing to manage managers who are managing groups of people. It's kind of when you go from 30 employees to 100 employees, you know, you really are now managing managers. And man, what are the key lessons you have there in terms of maybe for delegation and maybe for, for not having waste and, and for leading and getting results through people? Any key lessons you can share there? Uh, sure. Like for me, it's super clear. Like, what, like the, the most important thing when managing, like, and the difference between managing managers and managing people, it's the, the difference between being a leader and being a manager for me. Okay. So w- when you manage people, I mean, you, you need a lot, a lot of skills. The most important thing uh, on your work is, is, is to track progress, you know, to track progress, um, to keep people motivated. Um, and, 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 and yeah, but like when you manage managers, <laughs> You need more work in the in the inspiration side, uh, in the mentoring side. So, um, and 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 I actually lived this like just one year ago. I started like to learn how to manage managers like one year ago, and then I was kind of struggling with how to do it. Um, but like, you become a mentor basically. Uh, you 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 stop like focusing on on, on checking results and track progress. You, you also do that, but it's now it's not the most important thing. It's not the, the most important resp- responsibility for you because that's like a, the manager's responsibility. Um, but you, you need to teach, you need to mentor those managers how to run their people, uh, work by, the, like by their own, like without uh, asking a lot of things to their managers uh, or to their direct reports. And basically, yeah, you you are you lead them to the 
managers path um, with a lot of a lot of mentoring. It, it's it's kind of hard to describe, but it it's really it's really related to uh, to leadership. Yeah, you're, you, what you're saying is that it, that this, the transition I think is when you're managing people, you're man. It's like project management and task management. You're helping them get stuff done, but when you're managing leaders, you're growing their skills, you're growing their confidence, you're mentoring them, you're you're inspiring them, you're you're being there as a resource for them, but you're not managing them as much as like holding them, helping them and, and growing them, right? Exactly. And, and you know what? Like, uh, it also depends on your approach. Um, I, I know really successful companies that like uh, managers of managers, micromanage managers, <laughs> um, and, and they encourage to their managers to micromanage their people and, and, the, and the company is still successful. Um, but like, like for us and, and many companies, uh, uh, like uh, and 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 mostly like tech-related companies, like the for me, like the approach should 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 be different and should be again uh, to 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 lead to motivate the manager and 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 mentor him or her, like how to uh, manage their team like an independent entity. You know, mm -hmm. um, that's key because if not. Yeah, you will learn like tracking progress of the manager, and that's not the idea. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. It, oh, it makes total sense. And the next transition after that, though, is when you start hiring senior leaders who already know they understand situational leadership, they understand coaching, they understand you know how to grow people and how to run one on one meetings, and you know they're good at the soft skills of leadership. How do you how do you lead those people? Because <clears throat> I would imagine you're at that typically when you go from 300 to a, or from 100 to 300 people is when you're really hiring your first true leadership team that have actually led teams before. What's it like? What's it like leading those people? It, it, it's different, and, and I mean, uh, like we we started that phase eight months ago or so, like to to to, to hire like leaders, like uh, not like C level, but like BP level, um, that's leaders, strategic yeah. people. Um, it's similar to managing managers, um, but, 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 but different at the same time. I mean, for, for managing like those leaders, I, I think it, it's really important to know how to communicate and make understand and, and get to understand your vision to those people. Okay. Oh. So like, communication is needed and and and, and how, you, how you translate that vision to this person is key because as you mentioned the, 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 this person already came with all the knowledge without experience they know how to handle things by themselves but they need to understand the vision and and the and how and, and then they just will will, will uh, execute the you know the, the vision through started through through strategy Um, so that I think that that's one definitely like the like like putting really clear the vision. You're giving a real good crash course on how a leader has to emerge from being a manager to a leader to a leader of leaders, which is great. I'm curious where you gained some of these skills yourself as a leader because this is not, you know, this is like a master's degree in leadership out of a university. Where where were you gaining the skills during the work? Was it through the Endeavor program or? Actually, is a funny story, but uh, as as I mentioned earlier, like um, I, I am a graphic designer that became a COO by just learning everything. Um, 
I, I would say I learned all those things like by two, like in two ways. Like, first of all, like my CEO, um, he's like, he's like super important uh, for me and he has been my mentor. So that's one, uh, my CEO and, and, and CEO and, and business partner. Um, he has uh, mentored me uh, with, with all this, with all his knowledge um, and experience. Uh, and then like reading, a lot of reading. Um, uh, I, uh, we, we, we tried like to read at least two or, well, yeah, two books per month, two, three per books per month, uh, you know, uh, business related uh, or, 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 or topics related to leadership and, and management and that kind of stuff. But like books, um, yeah, those are the, the two sources where, where I learn everything. Uh, I have a great list of books to recommend. <laughs> Do you have a favorite favorite couple of business books? Actually, one that I really love because I had one that I, um, like my favorite, well, not my favorite, but one of the most important books that I re- read, it's like the Bible of, of business. I, I guess you have read like Good to Great. That's like, oh my God. Amazing. Um, yeah, but recently I read a book by Laszlo Bock um, that it's called uh, Work Rules. Okay. It's mind-blowing. It's my favorite now. And, and, and before that, I read one. Uh, it's like the, like the net about the Netflix approach. That is no rules. Rules. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but then I read Work Rules by Laszlo Bock and it blew my mind. Um, okay. That that's my favorite, uh, my favorite one right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna grab that one. I'll listen to it this week. I, I've been waiting for a new one to be listening to in my workout, so that'll be the one. So I'm I'm gonna encourage you to read my my first book, which was called Double Double. And there's some I will note it here. Yeah, there's some key chapters in there that you might really like as well. Um, okay, so I want to just ask a, 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 a this is a strange question, but it kind of came up at the beginning. Sure. Where, when you're a company that's based in Latin America and you're selling into the U.S. market, what have your big lessons been in in doing that, in selling into uh, into the U.S. market and selling into the U.S. market as a, a foreign foreign company or with a foreign staffing? Any lessons there? Um, yes, uh, and and I have like several uh, advices, but the most important and and, and it, it can it can sound like cliche, but it's really know your market. I mean. Um, if you don't understand how people in the U.S. run business, how they communicate, how is the like the 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 work culture there, um, like you are going to fail. Uh, I mean, it's it, it's so important to understand um, all the values and culture in America. And, and I mean, there, there are different uh, uh, like working cultures in the states. Uh, you have the like the corporate America. You have the the the, the startup thing. Um, but if you don't get it, you will fail. Um, you, you need to understand that. Uh, and it, you can't learn that from a book. <laughs> um, uh, you need to like live in the States or work with someone or for a company in the States. Uh, but it, it takes time. But you really need that. Uh, that's key. Yeah, you need to immerse yourself in that. How about the... Um, there, there had been a, a strong push against hiring offshore with, you know, India um, a few years ago. And then the trend became very strong to hire into Eastern Europe in the tech side. Mm-hmm. Has the has the U.S. started to adopt the whole South American tech 
seen or are you new to that um, kind of even though you're kind of nine, 10 years old, are you kind of new to that uh, emergence of, of that's where a lot of the good tech talent is? Yeah, that for for me, it's not like a, like we are competing like with with other regions like Eastern Europe. I think that's the one of the best examples. But at the same time, it's it's the different approach, definitely. So, um, for example, uh, part of our clients have like their near short teams in 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 two time zones. They have like okay, uh, Eastern Europe or India and South America. Okay, so and and what 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 they choose uh, like to do this is because like they know that they will use, for example, let's let's say um, Eastern Europe teams because like yeah, engineers in Eastern are really good. <laughs> they use it for specific things. Uh, let's say like uh, 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 solving super complex engineering problems. Okay. But then they use the South American teams like on, on to work on a daily basis yeah, to communicate, to be part of their, their team, their, their activities uh, for critical thinking uh, because of the, 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 the similarity in the culture, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, for me, it's not like, it, it's not a, that it's a direct competition uh, between Eastern Europe, India, uh, South America. It's more that the approach you want to, um, to, 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 you want to follow, you know? So, yeah, um, every region has like, um, has, has, has a good part and, and, and a bad part, uh, time zone. It, it's a, it, it's a pain for U.S. companies to work with India because of the time zone. Uh, Eastern Europe, ah, it, it is still a pain. Uh, South America, it's, it's super smooth. Um, so for me, it's a compliment. Yeah. You, you mentioned earlier that you, you have a hard time firing people. Have, have you gotten better at that or do you, do you avoid that and, or it just sucks, but you know, it's part of business and. I have improved definitely. Um, but I mean, it's, it, it, it's needed. It, it, it doesn't mean that I don't do it. Um, uh, it's necessary. And, and sometimes like time is of the essence and you just need to do it. Um, it it's more like I have, um, I have improved on, on how I feel about it. It's like just more personal. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like what, like eight, 10 years ago, like I, I needed to get prepared and like, me, like mentally and, right. and be like really strong. And, uh, and then after the, the, the firing, I, I spent like one or two days, like kind of grieving, uh, but I was young. Um, yeah. So yeah, you, you like, yeah, you grow, you learn. And, and right now I like, I still don't like it, but I do it like this. Um, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's just experience, you know, but, yeah. but I think the, yeah, the, the people orientation is, is the thing that, that, that like uh, ma- makes it a little bit harder. <laughs> I read, I read something interesting uh, a year or so ago in a book called the hard thing about hard things. And Ben Horowitz was talking about how, when, when a company fires someone, they're often happy the person's gone. But he said the real work becomes when you sit down and say, why did we hire them in the first place? You know, exactly. what, what did we miss in the interview process? What did we miss mm-hmm. in the onboarding process? What did we miss in the leadership and development process that we had to then fire that person? Because when we hired them, we were excited about them. You know, so what, what changed? What did we miss? What did we screw up? Which I think is quite interesting for sure. Um, yeah, the, like, like when, like after a firing, exactly the, the first thing that you need to do is like, 
okay, what 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 went wrong? Um, and and it's not like just uh, one or two things. Like as you mentioned, usually it started from like recruiting. Um, and and then like and, and I know this because like uh, we, like our business is this type of mentation. Like we work with with a lot of people and we recruit tons of people. Um, so like if you miss, if you if you have uh, if a process is, is not well calibrated or you are doing something wrong when recruiting, even when, when sourcing, like you can get these firings later and, and, and sometimes you just don't uh, realize the problem it was like uh, at, the, at the start of the, of the process. So, Yeah, but, but it's important to think about it. It's not like, okay, this guy didn't meet the expectations by. Yeah. No, like the, the, the work starts there. Like, okay, what happened? Yeah, I think it's a really, really good exercise for leaders to put themselves through as well as that introspective process of what was our contribution. All right, I want to go back to the 21, 22-year-old Santiago. He's just getting started in his career. What advice would you give yourself back then that you know to be true today, but you wish you'd known when you were just getting started? Oof, um, really good question. Um, so I would say um, invest in learning. Like that, that's key. Um, because it's like now I realize that uh, you can learn in, in, with like different sources, like using, like, I don't know, going to college, reading books or going, going to programs. But What you are really doing when you invest in 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 learning is you're 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 buying time, um, mm. and like spending four years to learn something in in a college or I don't know going to a super uh, quick program or or, or 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 hiring a consultant so he can teach you about something in two three weeks that's really valuable because time it's Time is the most important thing, uh, and and you don't want to lose it, uh, like in personal time, uh, time at work. So in, in based on learning, uh, that that's one. Then yeah, think about time. That 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 would be another one. Well, I I will tell you, and I'll, I I think the whole like in, investing in learning is so 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 important that I I even named my the course that I launched a year and a half ago called Invest in Your Leaders. Because it's, <laughs> it's all about growing those manager skills. I'll send you a link to it. I'm also awesome. gonna, I'm also going to send you my favorite poem later uh, called "Think Big," and it's about this cat that that kept thinking bigger. Because uh, because you talked about how important it was to think bigger as a company, and I think you guys yep. have done that. So congratulations with everything you've done with Job City. I really appreciate the time today and you um, spending time with us on the Second Command podcast. So Santiago Castro, the COO for Job City. Thank you. Thank you, Cameron. You've been listening to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance founder, Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. For more best practices from industry-leading COOs, visit COOalliance.com.